Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Barbie. Hi, Ken. Hi, Hi Ken. Hi, Barbies. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Life Plus God podcast. My name is Alyssa Robinson, and I will be your Barbie host today. And we are joined by Reverend Gracie Millard and Jacob Zachariah to answer the question, can we learn about God from the Barbie movie? <laughs> so this is a very special episode because this was requested by the uh, Treach Podcast Discussion Group. They meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. and they talk about all sorts of podcasts. Life Plus God is one of the ones that they cover. Oh. But they specifically asked, you know, hey, I wish Life Plus God would talk about the Barbie movies. So I hope y'all are listening this and enjoying and maybe dedicated. even have yeah, a discussion this about is dedicated this dedicated to you guys. Here we are. Yeah. So... Uh, I wish that I could t tell you exactly why I chose Gracie and Jacob to do this episode with me. And really the only reason is because we are fanatics <laughs> of the Barbie movie. We That's all absolutely awesome. loved it. The it only people, awesome. the people in your life who talked about it most, maybe. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I enjoyed watching it a lot. It was a really funny movie and just the concepts were funny and I just enjoyed watching it. It was a good time. So... Today, what we're going to talk about are some of the spiritual themes or biblical themes that we saw in the Barbie movies. I want to give a warning. This episode is nothing but spoiler alerts, like beginning to end. And so if you haven't seen the movie yet and you're planning to, maybe hit pause, come back to this episode at a different doing? time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, <laughs> Waiting you for it seen to it come out now. to streaming, okay? Okay, maybe that's um, it. It's been out for over two months at the, yeah. this point, so. I'm not gonna judge anyone. Okay, judge I'm just, I'm just throwing pastor. it out there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Gracie's so, house is not made of glass, apparently, so yeah. she's fine. If you haven't seen the movie and you don't wanna see the movie, I suggest that you stick around anyways because this episode might make you want to see the movie and f see if you see the same themes that we did. Um, but I, I kind of want to start out at the very beginning of the movie. We are in Barbie land. And Barbie land can be described as like this utopia uh, where women are in charge and nothing's going wrong. And it's this, they call it the dreamland. It's Barbie dreamland. Or is it called Barbie land? I think it's Barbie land. Okay. But it's just all it's her dream house. Dream house. house is a dream. Oh, it's Thank all Barbie you. dream houses. Thank you. Yes. And the beach, of course. Yeah. So I've read a lot of articles comparing Barbie Land to the Garden of Eden, <laughs> which I think is really interesting and I think worth having a conversation about. So I just wanted to hear some of your thoughts on like the opening of the movie being in Barbie land. And if you see some like resemblances to that Genesis story of the garden of Eden, I think especially the very beginning I'm remembering is where uh, the kids are playing with dolls, right? Like that's the very beginning of the movie is where they're like mm -hmm. playing oh, with yeah. the old mm -hmm. dolls and then Barbie appears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, it felt like, Everyone just looking and being like, oh, man, what is that? And just like majesty. They were all just in awe of this beauty that they were seeing. Let there be light. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So in this situation, they were there already, but they were like seeing, oh, this is the light that we're, we've all been waiting for. Mm. I had forgotten that that's how it 
it really completely starts. Yeah. Because the Planet of the Apes, like, uh, comparison is basically what they're doing there. Uh, right? That's how the beginning was. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking about how, like, in Barbie Land, there is this perception that everything is perfect and nothing can go wrong. And I think that that's how we like mm-hmm. to think of, like, the Garden of Eden before the fall is, it's- like, Everything was exactly how it should be, and there was no shame, and there was no worry, and everything just fell into place perfectly. Um, there was kind of like a na- naivete, sort of, of like they don't—they're not aware of anything that's going wrong. Yeah, it—it it is perceived like how, how they want us to see is like it's perfect there, but then we like see that in this. Per, quote unquote perfect existence there's some things problems going on yeah so. well and I think it's this idea of um it's very shallow like you don't have to think about it everything is rote routine everything happens the exact same way everything's every in single its place day. nothing's amiss yeah. everything is like ready to go to happen the exact same way every day Yeah, and I don't know if that's what the Garden of Eden was supposed to be like or not, but what we learn in the Barbie movie is uh, that perfection is interrupted by thoughts of death. (laughs) (laughs) And so Barbie basically starts having like this existential crisis because she starts having thoughts of her own mortality and thoughts of death. And so I'm like, okay, where does this come in to the Eden story? Yeah. So like I was thinking in terms of it's like a self-realization for her, just sort of like how they became aware of Adam and Eve became aware of themselves being Mm -hmm. in their nakedness kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. Where they all of a sudden are seeing, hey, something is not. Like, this is not who I thought I was. This is not the life I thought I was living. And that's her waking up in the realization of not just death, but then she, like, got cellulite and all that kind of stuff. Like, all the stuff that started to happen to her, you know, that realization for her is sort of the realization that Adam and Eve were having as well when they ate the fruit. Mm -hmm. Once she has this realization, I feel like this is kind of where we step away from the Bible narrative a little bit. So it's um, not a direct comparison, right. I guess. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, she, this perfection starts to feel like monotony, where before uh, she was having like no worries, no problems. Everything went exactly how it was supposed to. Now, all of a sudden, everything's going wrong. The day-to-day routine is getting monotonous. It's boring. Like she's wondering if there's more. And not necessarily within the Garden of Eden theme, but I think that that is a faith journey that a lot of us go through of like once we start going past the surface level of our faith foundations, Mm -hmm. we start asking the big questions that we realize there aren't answers to. Mm -hmm. And we kind of enter into this existential crisis, kind of like what Barbie did, where Mm -hmm. it's like, well... What am I supposed to do now? Everything that I thought this was turns out there's mm-hmm. way more that I don't understand. Sounds yeah. like deconstruction to me. I mean, just hearing you just describe that right now, it sounds like deconstruction. She was de- deconstructing her idea of the world that she was living in. Mm-hmm. She had an idea of like, hey, this is how my life goes. And then all of a sudden one thing goes awry and then she's like, oh, hold on. What's going on with this? Well, why is this happening now? Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think, so when we, we go from, so she's having all of this dread, existential dread, and then we meet weird Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> the most amazing Barbie. The best Barbie. The best Barbie. <laughs> yes. Uh, we meet weird Barbie. And it's funny. I saw a, an interview with Kate McKinnon, and she had been talking about how she had a conversation with Greta Gerwig about, like, if she's going to be weird Barbie, she wants to be naked. <laughs> because she, she oh said, she said, which is going back to Garden of Eden, okay? Yeah. No, she said, every little girl who had a weird Barbie, it never had clothes on, ever. And I was looking, I was like, it didn't. Like, <laughs> or it was colored. Colored all over. Yeah. No clothes. Like, and, but Greta had to tell her, it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought that was really yeah. funny. So we meet Weird Barbie, who Weird Barbie is the Barbie that got played with a little too hard. And she's kind of been introduced to the harsh realities mm -hmm. of the world and what really happens when everything's not perfect like you thought it was. And so I was kind of thinking of Weird Barbie. Um, so I was reading some like philosophies and themes around... Um, the movie. And one of the things that they talked about is uh, Weird Barbie and Alan, who we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Love Alan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they are the true heroes of the story. It's mm -hmm. not Barbie and Ken that are mm -hmm. heroes of the story. It's Weird Barbie and Alan who are the heroes of the story. Mm -hmm. And they are the outcasts. They are the marginalized. And they are the people who are willing to challenge the status quo. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And so when I was thinking of Weird Barbie and Alan, who did I think of from the Bible? The prophets. The prophets. Yeah. yeah. Of course. <laughs> So I was thinking, oh, the my gosh. The one who literally has weird as part of her name. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all called her weird Barbie. <laughs> yeah. I'm seeing visions of Elijah. Yeah. Um, weird Elijah. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so she goes to weird Barbie and weird Barbie. It's kind of like biting into I'm I'm mixing all of these metaphors from scripture and from my personal faith journey, but just roll with it. It's kind of like <laughs> the metaphor do. of like biting the apple and receiving uh, wisdom and knowledge. She offers her either the stiletto or the Birkenstock, oh, which yeah. I felt personally victimized as a, <laughs> I was wearing my Birkenstocks the first time I watched the movie. I was like, oh. uh, Stephanie wore her pink Birkenstocks well, to the movie. Go. Yeah. So. Well, mine were brown like, and I was like, nobody look at my feet. <laughs> I am so curious, do a lot of people wear stilettos to movie theaters? That is also, yeah. I mean, that's fair, but of In all In Dallas, shoes, they do. I guess so. <laughs> so Gracie is weird Barbie. I am also weird Barbie. <laughs> and spoiler alert, uh, Jacob identifies as Alan. Alan. Yeah, which we'll learn a little bit about Alan later. Uh, so she offers up to Barbie and says, the only way that you can stop this existential crisis is to find the kid who plays with you and figure out what's wrong with him or her. Because uh, that's the thought of whatever's happening in the real world and the feelings that the one who is playing with the Barbie is having trickles into the Barbie world in one way or another. And so she puts this challenge to Barbie and says, hey, you can either pick the stiletto and go back to the way things were or 
you can choose the Birkenstock and learn, you know, where all of this is coming from and kind of uh, reason with your existential dread. And what does Barbie choose? She's forced to choose the Birkenstock. But she chooses the heel. <laughs> she, she, she tried to Jonah it at yeah. first. She yeah. tried to be Jonah. I know. She's like, no, she I don't want to. I don't want to do I that. know. And I was thinking about that. And like, how many times do we choose comfort over going out into the world and taking on a challenge? Oh, that is, that is my mo yeah <laughs> that is what that is like i'll choose retreat i'll just mm, rather not <laughs> rather well, not and i also think that in a way um without the utopia like the church with a capital c has become like barbie land of like la 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 we're going to pretend we're not feeling this existential dread mm. everything is perfect everything is going exactly as it's supposed to go yeah right. there yeah. are no problems there yes. are no problems everything is good or it's Keep not as smiling. bad it's not yeah. as bad as people are saying it is don't, yeah yeah don't listen to them that's just negative talk and trying to bring you down. Yeah. And there's kind of this option of like, hey, you can choose the stiletto or you can choose the Birkenstock. Go on your deconstruction journey. Kind of dig into what your faith really is. Like, what do you believe? What are some of the things that you grew up with that you can let go of? Um, and I would say the majority of the church wants you to choose the stiletto. They want you to say, no, you know what? I'm not going to go on that Birkenstock journey. And I wouldn't say like, you know, that's not just this church. I would say like that's the idea of organized religion is they don't really want you to have to question it necessarily in terms of, hey, we're telling you what to do. Just go ahead and keep doing what we're telling you to do. Mm -hmm. This is what you're supposed to do. We're giving you the instructions. Follow instructions. Yeah. So when I say, sorry, I was using some tribal language, I guess. When I say church with a capital C, I mean universal church. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm including like all denominations, all uh, faith practices within the realm of Christianity, but like the actual church institution. I don't know? think it's just Christianity related though. I'm saying, I think that's like across, across religions, like every Organized religion wants you to follow the organizational structure of the religion. That's probably true. Mm. Yeah. To choose the Birkenstock, <laughs> which she didn't choose. She was forced into it. <laughs> yes. which... <laughs> we all know that feeling too. Yes. Yes. Uh, I was not planning to go on this journey, but here I am right. on this journey. So she had to let go of materialism and comfort to go out into the world and explore and figure out who she really is. Um, and I just realized that we have been talking this whole time and have not once mentioned Ken <laughs> and how relevant to the plot of the movie. Poor Ken. Um, Ken hasn't come up yet. Ken's just around. Well, he has sure. come up in the movie, but we ignore him. And and so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, so she's going on this journey into the real world. And then Ken is a stowaway. And he decides to come with her. And she wanted to do it on her own. But he snuck into the back of the car. <laughs> and now he is on this journey with her into the real, real world from Barbie land. And so they're on this mission together. Um, so I think that the whole theme of like the first act of this movie or the first 
scene, whatever it would be called, is uh, finding purpose, leaving Mm -hmm. Barbie land. Mm -hmm. I'm called to step outside of my comfort zone, called to do something that I never expected that I would be doing. And I'm just wondering, like, going outside of the Barbie movie in your personal lives, is there any time that you've had that feeling of like, oh, it's time to step outside of Barbie land? I think I have an easy answer in that I went to seminary and they kind of forced that, forced you to do that in yeah. your first year. They gave you um, a set of Birkenstocks. In <laughs> no, I came with my own. Um, but they did force you to uh, ask. There's one class where it was just completely taking down everything you thought. So it was basically a uh, deconstructing and, but also reconstructing. But um, I mean, throughout seminary and since following in going into ministry, um, every time I'm, <laughs> I mean, it was especially so in, in seminary where like it was constantly new information and being like, okay, well, what do you do here? What do you do with, um, you know, empire? What do you do with racism? What do you do with all? And, um, but then, being practicing ministry, it's like kind of similar of like things you can't control who walks in the doors and who's, you know, asks what question. And so it's constantly being thrown at like, well, what do you do? And, and how would, how am I supposed to respond to this? I don't, and you could choose to just retreat back into the foundation or the fundamentalism that faith can present of like, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to do that work yeah. like that's or too much not I'll just go ahead and do what has always been done yeah because that's what's easiest and that's what people will not resist falling but, back on old habits and right stuff. Exactly. yeah but this maybe this new perspective is throwing me is calling me to do something different but I don't really want to do it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well and one of the things so Jacob Obviously, I know you very well. Yes. Right? Sure. So one of the things that I... Oh, yeah. If y'all don't know, Jacob is my partner. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's out. Oops. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking of for you is like you choosing to become an attorney. Like yeah. that was not a part of your life plan. Yeah. I was supposed to go to medical school. And, and then I guess in my junior year of college, I was like, oh, man chemistry is not fun. I don't like science. <laughs> um, I was like ministering to people and like, helping people. That sounds like a good idea. And like helping heal people. That sounds fun. But the whole science part of this is not my game. Mm. I don't really want to be a part of that game. Yeah. But I think that, see, I'm telling your story for you. So yeah. Do you not want me to tell it? No, no. Okay. Um, but like, I think that there was a lot of conflict there in terms of like, there were expectations sure. put upon you yeah. by your family. There was a lot that like you were carrying of like never in I mean maybe this is wrong but never in your wildest dreams did you consider becoming an attorney like that that wasn't wasn't, part of the plan no it wasn't part of the plan and even then right so like even after it did become part of the plan of I guess April of my senior year in college is when I figured out I'm going to law school so that was a great time to figure that out Um, (laughs) and so at that point, you know, I was like, okay, I'll go to law school, but I don't really want to go to this place. And I don't really want to go to this place. But I, I, if anybody knows anything about applying to school, April before you try to get mm. into school is not the best time. Mm-mm. You don't have a lot of options left <laughs> available to you. And so I do go to law school. 
And then after I graduate, my thought was I'd never want to go to the border. So I'm from Houston, Texas. I will tell you guys that right now. <laughs> I love Houston, Texas. Um, and so growing up in Houston, I was like, I don't want to go to the border as a job. I never want to have to work on the border. I don't want to prosecute on the border. There's just too much stuff going on over there. And then my second least favorite place to go to was, was Dallas. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to ever move to Dallas. I was like, those are the two places, God. If you, I just really want a job. I really would like to be employed. I'm very much in debt right now. Having some money would be great. Um, but I don't want to go to these two places. And I think Alyssa's trying to get me to talk about it. But there's, <laughs> I have a tattoo on my finger. And the tattoo on my finger is... Matthew 26, 39, which is God in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane talking to his dad, just being like, I don't want to do this. Hmm. Like, please let this cut pass for me. But then ultimately it's, okay, whatever is your will, I guess I'll just go ahead and do that then. Hmm. Yeah. And then what did God do? God first sent me to Laredo, where I was a <laughs> prosecutor in Laredo for nine months. And then when I was in Laredo, there I don't know if you know much about Laredo, there's not a lot to do there. It's basically uh, fishing and go eat at Luby's. That's about it. Um, and so I'd work and go to Luby's because we weren't ever allowed to cross the border uh, because that was against uh, our code of conduct uh, working for the um, DA's office down there. And then uh, from there, I got an interview for the Dallas County DA's office. Well, and here there you I go. go. <laughs> so then I didn't want to take the interview. And my supervisor down there, he had already been in Dallas before. And so he was like, hey, like, I know you don't want to go to Dallas, but you really need to go because being down here in Laredo, you're just going to, you're not going to, you're going to flounder. You're not going to have anything to flourish with. And so took the interview, got the job a few months later and moved out here and haven't moved. It's been a decade since then. So I've been out here. So See, it's not so bad. It's not so bad, but also Houston <laughs> is still better in my mind. Like the food okay, is better. We'll have to disagree on that's that. Fair. But that's fair. That's fair. I don't okay. know if I disagree, honestly. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. After visiting Houston, like the Houston's food is fun. awesome. Yeah, the food is awesome, and water is very close by. A whole yeah. beach. Very so close Houston's by. your Barbie land. Yes, that you were forced out of. It was. God handed you your Birkenstocks <laughs> and said, "You're going to Laredo." I really tried to keep my stilettos on. Though, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so here we are, finding purpose. We're leaving Barbie land. We're going into the real world. Oh, I guess should I share mine? Yeah. Yeah. You asked us. You made us. us do it. I know. Be vulnerable, that's please. One of thank the, you. That's one of the benefits of being the host. <laughs> yes, but you being vulnerable is important now. Please, thank you. Um, yeah, you're the most, you're there who they listen to most. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, I feel like I've shared my same story a million times. But I've never heard it before. Please leaving Barbie Land for me was definitely my divorce. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, uh, Thought that the world worked a certain way. And I think that one of the things that you see in in Barbie land uh, that I'd be really interested to talk about a little bit, that um, I think a lot of us go through this stage of life is uh, dualistic thinking. Something's either good or bad. Mm-hmm. Something's perfect or imperfect. Something is... The right thing or the wrong the thing. The right thing or the wrong thing. Exactly. And so I was a very dualistic thinker. Um, either like... And so in my mind, whether I was happy or not in my marriage doesn't matter. I made a vow. Hmm. And my spouse made a vow. And so my thought it was we were on the same page in mm. terms of uh, this value system of we both made a vow and we are going to stick to that for better or for worse. Worse. Um, and turns out that was not his value system. Mm. And less than three years in, he was like, no, 
I don't want to do this. Turns out there was an affair in the mix, all sorts of stuff. But um, that was my, that kicked me off big time into existential crisis. So I guess I didn't choose my Burks either. They were thrust <laughs> upon me. I think that God came in the middle of the night and put them on <laughs> Yeah. You're like, where'd my stilettos go? Yeah. Well, that's the funny thing is that looking back on it, that is one of the best things that's happened for my life. I really had this, um, Going through that divorce, I love the person I am now more than I've ever loved myself. I love my life. I am super close with my family and my friends and that stuff that I didn't have before uh, to the same level that I have now. And I... But if you had asked me at the time what I wanted, I would have said the stilettos. I would have said, I want to stay married. Mm. But... um God is like, hey, you can get around in these Burks, you know, and mm. you'll you'll get around faster and your feet will be more comfortable. And you'll get yeah. used to that, the Burks being on your feet and like having Burks in your yeah. feet. You just have yeah. to trust me on this one. Yeah. But um, I think that it really was, it was leaving Barbie land and realizing, going from dualistic thinking of something's right or something's wrong to there's a lot of complexity. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of gray area. Mm-hmm. And I, the more work that I did, the more forgiving I became of him because I was able to, in therapy, access empathy for him of like, Imagine, because one of the hurtful things that he said to me that I didn't understand is, I never wanted to marry you. Very hurtful, right? Like something, yeah. But what I was able to work through in therapy is imagine the what he was feeling and experiencing being married to someone that he never wanted to marry in the first place. Now, hmm. he's not off the hook. Of sure, course, he right. should have vocalized that, should right. have had a conversation, shouldn't have let this happen. But what how much misery would he have been in of like sharing his home and his life with this person that he didn't even want to be around every single day mm-hmm. and so like there was an empathy for that and realize being able to look at it from a bird's eye view and say it's not me personally like i'm a lovable person and that's mm-hmm. work i that's had true. to do mm-hmm. is like i had to because there was a time I did not feel like I was a lovable person. Mm-hmm. If my husband can't love me, who can? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And so there was a lot of work that I had to do and say, despite what he thinks or believes, I am a lovable person. Mm-hmm. Um, and that gave me even more empathy for him of like mm. he couldn't manage to love a lovable person, you know? Mm. And so it just it it created all of these complexities and gray areas that um, just keep snowballing and snowballing and snowballing. And you start to see the world differently and you don't see the world as black and white anymore. And I think that if we move on to like Barbie entering the real world, I think there were some rude awakenings she had that it's not black and white. Oh yeah, when she went to the school. Yeah. (laughs) Like let's talk about some of those experiences that she had. Um, when she got thrust into the real world. Well, it's not only not black and white, it's like the opposite of Barbie land in mm-hmm. her experience. Like one of my favorite scenes is her, 
I guess she, she's agitated for some reason uh, immediately upon arrival, and she's like, I need some good feminine energy. Oh, there's a construction site. Yeah. <laughs> like, your friends over oh, no, to don't go there, please. <laughs> right, right. Um, so that was that's like the first thing that I think of, and she's so confused as to why they're talking to her the way that they are. And um, Cat calling doesn't happen in Barbie land. Right, it yeah. does not, apparently. And it's usually... a. Apparently, women are the ones doing the jackhammering and yeah. <laughs> all that. So, yeah, and I I think that um, even before she gets there, mm-hmm. just the feeling, yes, the yes, feeling that right. she has of the world is like. So you were talking about um, the. Uh, well, I don't remember. Oh, the nakedness and the shame and the being seen. So so that's one of the things that someone um, aligned with Ken and Barbie enter this real world together. And all of a sudden, they feel exposed. Mm-hmm. They feel and like very they're being insecure. Yes, they're being looked at. They're being seen in a new way. And it brings on shame and it brings on all of these negative feelings. Yes. Self-consciousness. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this is, but I'm very conscious. conscious. But only of myself. (laughs) (laughs) But so it brings all of this on and they're like, okay, this is the continuation of the Eden story and realizing what's actually happening in the world. Because Barbie had this idea that um, the the real world was just a reflection an of extension. Like, well, extension exactly. maybe, yeah. yeah, maybe that Barbie land was an extension of the oh, real world. Sure. And so however wonderful Barbie land was, the real world would be even better because Barbie land is just a reflection of the sure. real world, right, right, which right. wasn't the case at all. It right. turns out that Barbie land is the daydream of mm. the real world of mm-hmm. what it could be. Um, and so she talks about how like, I feel like I'm being stared at and there's an undertone of violence. (laughs) (laughs) That was such a good line. Yeah. And then what does Ken say? Ken was saying something like he doesn't, he's like, I don't, I don't see that. I feel he's powerful. Like, he's like, he's powerful. like, I'm being looked at, but there's no violence at all. It's just powerful and, and, and respected. Yeah. yeah. They admire me. Yeah. And so it it's this introduction to. My favorite word, <laughs> the patriarchy. Ah, yes. Ah, yes. The patriarchy. That was a long, it took us a long time to get to that word. I know. So introduction <laughs> of the patriarchy. And, and I kind of want to stop here for a little bit because I think that this realization uh, between like trying to reconcile between the Barbie land and the real world I think that it's a lot of what we go through with the church of like, we grow up in this loving, embraceive community as children. Hopefully, if you grew up in the church, that was a, your experience. For a lot of people, it wasn't. And that makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. But if you are a child in the church, usually your experience is loved, provided for, like nurtured by the community, all of these things. And then we grow up and we realize that there's a lot of negativity in the church. There's a lot of evil and judgment and Mm -hmm. all of these things within the church. And so we're trying to figure out, like, there's this conflict between what we know it should be and what it actually is. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's where the existential crisis begins of like, I know what the church should be. 
Mm-hmm. Why isn't it that way? Mm-hmm. And that's Barbie going through being like, hey, like, I don't understand. Barbie land is supposed to be a reflection or uh, of the real world. And she gets into that realization of like, why isn't it this way? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so tough for her to like reconcile those concepts. And I, I'm imagining it would have been tough for Adam and Eve too to reconcile the idea of, wait a minute, I've been living in this dream state this whole time. And now it's been yanked from me through my own actions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's, it's been yanked from me and now I have to come to terms with what I thought was true about the world that I live in is not true. So now mm-hmm. they have to come up with a whole fresh concept of the world they live in. That's a scary thing to have to do. Mm-hmm. But I think that that's work that all of us are called to do. Sure. At some point in time as like, you know, we talk about all the time how important it is to put faith foundations in place for our children and that when we're teaching these faith foundations at an age approach appropriate level, it is very black and white. It is like Jesus loves you. You are forgiven. You're to love everybody. Like all of the staple messaging, but we don't really address um the intricate details. So, I mean, from in my head, the reason for that, though, is so that when we are, as we get older and we start to encounter these harsh realities of what our churches are, then we sort of need something to fall back on. And like you sort of remember, okay, well, at my foundation, I know Jesus loves me. Mm -hmm. At my foundation, I know treat people right. At my foundation, I know love everybody, right? That's what I can always fall back on in terms of this is what I'm what I'm called to do is be this person. And recognize, recognizing, reconciling that with what you're actually experiencing in your day-to-day life is tough. But like, if you can get to that point, you can survive it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. I also think it opens our eyes um, to our own inadequacies and sure. where we've messed up. And I think that that's one of the things. So um, I, I was reading some like philosophies and theories um, around the Barbie movie and it talked about how Barbie and Ken both go on opposite but equal (laughs) um, journeys of self-discovery. Right. Okay. And so they're each on this journey of self-discovery and it's very easy to look at it and maybe from my perspective say, well, Barbie went on the good path <laughs> and Ken went on the bad path and decided to bring patriarchy to Barbie land. Um, Can we for a second take a, an aside to define patriarchy so that we're not thinking the wrong idea? Yes. So, so that listeners can understand what we mean by patriarchy. Yes. Why don't you go ahead? Well, I just want to differentiate patriarchy from uh um shaming from like that it's um i i think a lot of people have that's that's a um a trigger trigger word word. thank you um because i think oh well when when she says patriarchy she's about to go on a feminist rant but it's just that the concept and she is (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's fair (laughs) um just that patriarchy is um, a system. It's not a person. It's mm-hmm. not right. putting the blame on individual men, um, but it's saying this is a system where in which men have more power politically in any sense, really. Um, it's not blaming it on individual men and saying, right. you're the problem, you're the problem, you're the problem, but it's the system in which 
we have lived. Yeah. And as, so. as we dig deeper into this conversation, um, thank you for saying that, Gracie, because one of the things that, that we'll talk about is how um, the system of patriarchy is damaging to both men and yes. women. Uh, this is not something where, you know, women are the only victims and men are the oppressors and, you know, right, we should right. be man-hating. Like, right. that's no. not what we're trying to exactly. accomplish here. It's recognizing the system that we live in. And I think that's one of the things that the movie did really well is holding a mirror up to our society mm. and saying, hey, take a look at what we represent. What if someone who is completely... Uh, alien to the way that this world functions, because almost every societal structure in our world, with uh, just a few exceptions, is patriarchal. So if someone came in and this was not the system that they grew up with, how would they react mm -hmm. to that system? And Barbie does, you know, sort of show how someone would react. Someone who doesn't understand mm -hmm. the concepts, the concept does not exist for her, right? So mm -hmm. she's just trying to reconcile the idea of how can this be possible why is it this way? Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, I get, you're right. Cause the, she is that alien who just does, has not seen this before. And is yeah. like, what do I do now? Like, why is this happening? And it's this so way? upsetting. Yeah. It's yeah. so upset. She can't understand why when, like when she's meeting with the Mattel people, she said, well, okay, can I speak with your, with the CEO? Where is she? And then she just assumes that it's going to be the woman in charge. And they're all like, oh, we all, we all know and love women, but <laughs> there are no women in here. <laughs> we all have mothers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it made, so, so walking through that uh, system of patriarchy and what that means the it also makes me think of um how spirituality became religion because mm -hmm. religion seems to be more of a system mm -hmm. while spirituality seems to be more of a connection a seeking of god mm -hmm. um and so someone, I, I almost feel like that's what Jesus did, not to say Barbie is Jesus, but Jesus was like an alien among us who came to this earth, saw all of the religious systems yeah. in place and was like, I don't understand why y'all are doing it this way. Like mm -hmm. y'all just aren't getting it. Like this isn't it wasn't what it's supposed all about. to be this way. Yeah. yeah. And then what do we do? We take the teachings of <laughs> Jesus and then we create a religious system around it. You know, that right. was I mean, I could go on. And I mean, on about he that. does call the church into existence, but it maybe is was supposed to look different than how it does look in most cases. Yeah, maybe. So now I want to shift over to a second. So we've been talking about Barbie's perspective, Barbie's perspective, Barbie's perspective this whole time. It is the Barbie movie. Yes. Right. right. But I want to talk a little bit about Ken's perspective right. and and rewinding a little bit because. When we enter from the Barbie world into the real world, I think that the biblical theme that we're seeing is sinful nature. And I think that I, I was starting to say, it's very easy to say, uh, Ken is on the bad path, right. Barbie's on the good path, Ken is sinful, Barbie is, you know, uh, virtuous, whatever it is that you want to define it. But... I think that what we're really seeing when we take a look at Ken and we try to have empathy for what Ken is experiencing, when he was in Barbie land, he felt completely minimized, marginalized, ignored, mm -hmm. uh, belittled. Yep. 
that his value only came from when Barbie's yeah is you could say it's condescending mm-hmm. like in all sorts of ways like i looking back on it i'm like yeah he suffered and mm-hmm. the, the kens suffered in barbie land mm-hmm. uh maybe not under threat of violence sure. sure but i think that any person that you ask who as a child felt ignored they will tell you like those are deeply rooted wounds Mm -hmm. that go with you. And so as we step into the real world, we see Ken and Barbie going on these opposite journeys. And what Ken is learning is I'm worth something. Mm -hmm. I'm worthy of love. I am important. I mm-hmm. should be respected. Yeah. So these are all positive things for him to learn about himself right. that were taken to maybe an unhealthy extreme. Right. Uh, Mojo Dojo Casa House <laughs> comes to mind. <laughs> um, but Barbie, on the other hand, is for the first time shedding her dualism. And I think that that's what we learn Barbie's sin was is that she saw things as very black and white, right and wrong. You know, every night is girls' night. You know, I'm not going to compromise. This is the way things are. Mm -hmm. And how destructive that was for Ken. Ken felt like a neglected person. Like he was neglected as like as a child, theoretically, right? He's a neglected child who all of a sudden went off to college and had freedoms in his world. And he saw a world through a different way where people were paying attention to him and people wanted to know what he thought and how he felt and were really interested in him in general. And so the thought that I had with him was, yeah, it's it's he definitely took it to a bad place in effect, right? But he went from a place of being ignored and neglected to a place where he felt powerful and strong and seen. And you can understand why he would go that way because it was a place where he was feeling appreciated. It was a place where he was feeling welcomed, right? And so like, I can think of if you're in an, an unwelcome or un, unstable place, when you get to that stable place, you don't know how you're going to react necessarily. You want to say, you know what, I'm going to be the best version of myself. But sometimes people go power hungry, right? Sometimes people just go nuts when they get to that next place because they're like, oh my God, look at all the things I can do. I can do all these crazy things now and I have freedom and I have money and I have no parents telling me what to do, right? And so that's what him going to the real world, to me, it felt like going to college is what it felt like, honestly. Like going from a place Mm -hmm. where I was under my mom's roof, where I had a curfew, where I had like, you can't do this, you can't do that. This is a a specific prescribed way of living. Not the neglected part necessarily, but like just, this is the prescribed way you're gonna live to, my whole world opened up to me when I got Mm -hmm. to college. And so that's what that felt like watching it, watching Ken go to the library and grab all these books. And he (laughs) was just like, this is incredible. What is this? (laughs) That's what it felt like to me watching him experience it. Yeah. That's about trucks. (laughs) Well, and it it makes, and it makes me, so when they are each going on this separate path, one of the things that they're both experiencing, which again, like so many spiritual connections is the loss of innocence. 
innocence. And yeah. the way they react to that loss of innocence mm-hmm. is very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Barbie, her loss of innocence of, oh, this isn't the way the real world is, turns to fear, depression, feeling jaded, mm-hmm. like nothing I do will make a difference. And for Ken, his loss of innocence turned into um, greed and ego, mm-hmm. and um, which is also another way of, of being jaded, of like, I can take control over mm-hmm. this and I can take control over other people mm-hmm. to make myself feel good because what he really wants is not an uh, an unworthy goal. He just wants to keep feeling that feeling mm-hmm. of being important and right. being valued. And empowered. Right. And everybody right. wants that. Sure. Everybody right. wants to feel yeah. that. Um, so he decides, you know what? This patriarchy thing makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take this back to Barbie land. And he does. But And it makes sense, though, too, because right, because he he is feeling a way. And in that moment, honestly, I thought he was like he was also being showing empathy because he was thinking about, man, all these other Kens don't know. Like they don't know that the patriarchy exists. Let me show them that they can also feel empowered and feel more than mm-hmm. what they are right now. And so, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. But at the same time for him, it was, wow, look at this, how you can feel. Mm-hmm. You can feel good too, Ken's. Cause you know, at the, I think I remember at the beginning of the movie when he was trying to get Barbie's attention, Margot Robbie, Barbie, like the main Barbie's attention, all the other Ken's were also trying to get attention, right? He, it was all the Ken's just trying to get attention from mm-hmm. the, the Barbies in their lives and feeling ignored and feeling neglected. And he was like, I can make you guys feel great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to share this feeling. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, it's, it's not an immoral feeling to have. It's how you go about enacting it. Enacting and it. that it came from a broken system anyway. Yeah. Right. That like in the in an ideal world, like there wouldn't be a system in place that would make any one group of people feel that way. So if they're being neglected, then they do need to be lifted up, but the other people also may need to be brought down a little bit. (laughs) But it it also, it makes me think of our own sinful nature in that um, the motivations that we assign to people, because I really, I think that the majority of people are more like Ken of like, all I want is to feel loved and valued and appreciated and respected. And I'm just trying to find a way to feel that way. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it comes out as lashing out. Sometimes it comes out as manipulation. Sometimes it comes out in just a plethora of negative ways. And we have to learn how to uh, feel those feelings in positive ways. And mm-hmm. I think that for us in our faith journey, that's where we turn to God and we mm-hmm. turn to Jesus's teachings and say, hey, how do we embrace these fruits of the spirit? Mm-hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I can't do one. <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How can we feel in the the spirit of these fruits and without hurting others, without taking mm-hmm. advantage of others, without uh, lording over others, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that Barbie and Ken both were working with uh, what they had, mm-hmm. and maybe they had a very limited tool set mm-hmm. to chase those feelings that we all mm-hmm. want. I mean, because they didn't really have to, right? So like the, if, 
if I'm thinking, I'm sorry, I'm going back to Adam and Eve, right? But if they go, if you, when you eat the fruit and then all of a sudden you have the knowledge of self-realization and actualization or whatever, you recognize who you are, you don't have the tools to really understand it Mm -hmm. yet, right? You're still just like, I'm just thinking as the first time as a baby sees their hand, right? The first time a dog catches their tail or something, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like, what do I do now? Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's true. Yeah. You have no idea what you're supposed to do with the information that you now have. Yeah. Um, So what Ken does is he takes this patriarchal structure and he says, I'm going to take this back to Barbie land and I'm going to tell the other Ken so that they can feel as good as I feel right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, Barbie hasn't gone back to Barbie land yet. She meets up with the girl who's playing with her and there's this whole mother daughter connection with uh, America Ferreira. And uh, I don't know the actor's name, but I know the daughter's name is Sasha. Mm -hmm. Um, And, So connecting with them. And I think that one of the um, many defining moments in Barbie is her first interaction with her creator, Ruth Handler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think about, so Ken is off doing his thing and instilling the patriarchy at Barbie land. And Barbie is trying to figure out like, what's even going on here? I don't understand this. So like, why is everything so upside down? And so it's just absolute chaos. She's running from Mattel, who's trying to put her back in a box. Um, she's like, doesn't understand why this is a boardroom of men when Barbie land is supposed to be all about the girls, mm-hmm. you know, all this stuff. And she runs into Ruth Handler, who is the creator. So I'm going to equate Ruth Handler to God. And their first interaction, I think, is uh, it's so interesting because when I think about it, like it comes out of nowhere. She walks into this room that set up as like a 1940s kitchen. Um, we don't really know who Ruth Handler is, what she's doing there. Like, what is this space that I've walked into? It's confusing. It's mysterious. Like Ruth speaks very cryptically. Like, mm. and we we don't really know what's going on. And I think that for me, that feels like our first true encounter with the divine. Like when I think of times that I have felt extremely connected to God, um, it has always felt mysterious and confusing, mystical. Um, it's calming, like all of these feelings. And so I just, for me, that really stands out of like a relatable moment in spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, I agree that, you know, our experience is that because, you know, we each have different ways that even if we don't necessarily realize it in the moment of where we've interacted with a divine energy, right? Like where, but that first time afterwards is when you, you don't realize until afterwards you go back and you think about it and you're like, Oh man, what was that interaction? And what I'm reminded of is another part in that movie where she sits down at, she sits down at the, um, at the bus bench, uh, with Mm -hmm. the older lady and she tells the older lady that you're beautiful. Barbie tells the older lady that you're beautiful. And she goes, I know. Right. That's that response of and Barbie didn't really know how to take it in that moment. And I think that 
she realizes it later when she repeats that line, like someone tells her you're so beautiful and she then says, I know later on, right? But that that mentality of you don't know necessarily what the interaction was until you have time to process it later on. Mm-hmm. Mm. But I also think that that scene is like the learning that you are lovable. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and that each of us needs to have that self value and realize like we are lovable children of God. And that's the, the feeling that that woman brings is like, I know I'm loved. I know I'm a child of God. And for Barbie to get to interact with her, someone who has so much confidence in who they are she smiled and it brought a tear to her eye just being in contact with someone who felt that way. And it kind of makes me feel like how we can be the light of Christ to others. Maybe I'm stretching this no, out. So, I, don't I mean, know, I felt like that or it felt to me like a parent's love of being like, this is how you, a representation, like an older person's representation. So as you're a kid, Barbie's a kid having that first interaction with the divine. Mm-hmm. And then it's somebody who's already been on this journey for a while and you encounter them on the path and they're like, yeah, I, I know. Mm-hmm. I know. And so then you're like, oh, okay, that's what that, I, I can get there too. If I just keep working oh, yeah. it down this path. That's a really good point. It's a good scene too. Yeah. Let's go back to Barbie land, shall we? All yes. right. Okay. So we go back to Barbie land and where things are not okay. What? I said where things are not okay. All is not well <laughs> in Barbie land. Ken has brought patriarchy in and they loved it. Ken's did. And you, so all of a sudden you see that the Kens are running things and they have the Barbies now as the cheerleaders and as the people bringing them their beers. And Subjugated <laughs> is the word I was thinking. There you go. Yes, exactly. Um, and um, the the dream houses have been usurped by the Kens and turned into the Mojo Dojo Casa houses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and chaos ensues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And... I think so it's basically and it's it's a farce, right? Like it's all of the most stereotypical right. representations of this system of patriarchy. So it is kind of going back to the dualism mm-hmm. of like, okay, we went from this extremely complex world and it actually makes me think of like in the real world when <laughs> Ken is asking for a job at this company and the guy's like, oh, well, you need a master's degree. You need this, you need that. And Ken says, you're not doing patriarchy very well. (laughs) And the man's response is, oh no, we're doing it well. It's just, (laughs) we're flying under the radar, you know? And it just highlights like the complexities and the intricacies. And it was kind of laughing at this idea of the system, but then with the lack of understanding of complexity, we take it and we turn it right back into dualism. Mm. Um, And I think that we do that with our faith all the time. We have these complex experiences of God. And we were actually talking about this in the break room today and like translations of the Bible and how books were written and, and things like that is... Uh, the Bible is a collection of stories, and some of those stories are mystical experiences of God. I think of Moses in the burning bush, hmm. absolutely mystical experiences of God that then we take and try to turn into a verbalization, which is nearly impossible. And that kind of feels like the translation of real world patriarchal structure taken and trying to fit it into the Barbie land 
Man model of dualism. Like you'll never um, see the richness of humanity and all that this world has to offer if you're only looking at it from the surface level Mm -hmm. and all of the hope that is within the world and that not everybody thinks this way, not everybody acts this way. Uh, But then we take that and we put it in a box because that's what we like to do. We like to create constructs of religion, of society, of culture, of finance, of whatever, name a topic. We want to create a construct around it. And that's what Ken has done. He's taken that and said, okay, black and white, here's what the patriarchy looks like. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, and for me, in that situation, what it felt like was, you know, you see the moon at night and you want to take a picture of the moon at night. And every time you take a picture of the moon at night on your phone, <laughs> does it ever come out the way that you wanted it to? Oh my gosh. You want to take a picture of every sunset. Yes. And but- <laughs> does, it, does it ever translate? Right? It, you know? it doesn't fit. And so then what you did was you have now this photograph and then you try to show other people this photograph and say, Hey, mm. this is what I saw that night, but it's not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Ken's over here building the patriarchy off of a book that he stole right. from the library, yeah. a set of books he stole from the library. And so then he's not understanding it because he doesn't have the depth of having experienced the system. He just has the depth of reading about the system. But again, it's that same concept of an alien coming back and trying to explain the patriarchy to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it gets lost in translation. Yeah. All I know is that I felt really good when I was experiencing this in this place. So now I want to feel really good and bring it to this place. But what we learn is that it doesn't make him feel good mm-hmm. and it doesn't make the other Ken's feel good. It makes them feel powerful, but mm-hmm. does it really improve their relationships with Barbie? Does right. it give them what they really wanted, which right. is to feel loved and valued and accepted mm-hmm. by Barbie? By Barbie, Barbie. (laughs) yes. Uh, But it doesn't turn into that. Mm -hmm. It just turns into very surface level living where they still secretly want the approval of Barbie. Mm -hmm. Right. They still want the Barbies to love them and give them attention. Yeah. Because when Margot doesn't, when Margot Robbie's Barbie doesn't, then everything goes awry again for him. Barbie comes back to this world that is nothing like she's ever seen before in Barbie land. And she falls into depression, (laughs) basically. (laughs) So that was the path that we were talking about of her reaction to loss of innocence is going catatonic, (laughs) basically. Mm -hmm. And um, so she's hauled up to Weird Barbie's house. And uh, Gloria and Sasha are with her. Yes, Gloria and Sasha are with her. They've come to Barbie land. They've come to Barbie land. Um, So they go up to... Weird Barbie's house. And of course, there's going to be a ton of the plot that I'm I'm skipping. Uh, and Weird Barbie and Alan are there. Mm-hmm. And Alan, I want to talk about him for Hooray, a Hooray, Alan. Hooray, <laughs> Alan. He is one of my favorite characters uh, in this movie. Um, so when I think of Weird Barbie and Alan, I think of the perfect example of what it is to be an ally, like what it is to be a friend to somebody and the perfect Mm -hmm. example of uh, possibly the good Samaritan, whatever it is that, that we want to call them. But this example that we can look to of like, even when people have wronged you, Hmm. you want things to get better for them. And that's Alan. He's like, I don't like this world. I don't like the Kens behaving this way. And I don't think they like it either. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think they want it to be this way. And he wants to um, 
change this world for everybody for the better. So do you know who I, I don't think I've talked to you about this. Do you know who I see Alan as? Who? John the Baptist. Where oh, really? he's sort of off mm. on his own. And then he's like, guys, this is not how it should be. Let's try to fix this. Let's try to fix this. The better system is coming. Like we don't need to have it this way. I don't like the Mojo Dojo Casa houses. <laughs> this is not, this is not right guys. This is not how it's supposed to be right. That's, that was John the Baptist going out there telling everybody, no, this is not like you guys are doing it wrong. You're mm-hmm. not getting it. Like, okay, you're not going to listen to me, but I'm telling you, this is not how it's going to go. So that's how I always saw Alan. <laughs> That's awesome. Amazing. Alan is so Alan and Weird Weird Barbie go on this pursuit of justice. And um what it comes down to is uh you remember the mom's name. I can't remember her name. Gloria. Gloria. I okay. it from I don't know if her name is ever actually said in the movie. I don't remember. But anyway. I'm sure it is. But um so the way that this system, and they almost talk about it as if it's like everyone's hypnotized mm. uh, by this patriarchal structure, but the way they break the system is Gloria giving this amazing speech about mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what it is to be a woman. And she's speaking of it in terms of her experience of the real world and what she starts doing. And I wish I could just do the speech, but I can't. Uh, and I can't do it justice. So this you're going to want to watch the movie just for this speech. It's one of those moments that is just very connecting. But what she's doing with this speech is she is breaking dualism. Mm-hmm. And she is introducing complexity to Barbie land of when you are a woman and let's just say when you are a person, mm-hmm. you can be experiencing 15 things at once and they can all contradict each other. Yeah. And you can experience all that feeling all at the same time and it feels impossible Mm -hmm. and that's what breaks everybody out of this trance um that and and so i i just have this i made this note that to pursue justice in our christian faith it it makes me it makes me think i wrote down micah 6 8 um which is uh what does god ask of you but to do justice, love kindness, and stay in love with God, basically. Mm-hmm. That's a paraphrase. But <laughs> um, and and so it's what is my purpose? What am I made for? Is to do justice, love kindness, and stay in love with God. Mm-hmm. Or walk humbly with God, mm-hmm. I think is the the phrasing yeah. uh within the scripture. And it just makes me think of when we are pursuing justice as people of Christ, the very first step to that, it has to start with introspection and contemplation. Uh, you can't just, I mean, you can, you can immediately go out and start doing, 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 and being in action. But if you really want it to be a connective experience, there has to be compassion. There has to be empathy. Mm -hmm. There has to be relationship, all things which require contemplation or else it's just dualism of I'm doing this because it's the right thing to do and it's on my checklist. and I'm going to do it and then I'm going to move on and do something else. Doing the good work is good right? But I think that sometimes we get caught up in doing the good work and not embracing 
the complexity of what we're doing. I think that a lot of people, you know, the best speeches you hear and the best messages you receive are from people who, one, have a strong understanding of what it is they're talking about, and then to believe what they're talking about a lot of times, right? And so with that belief and understanding as your foundation, you can then go out and accomplish the things you need to accomplish, right? But when you go from a place of, you look, I'm just going to do the rote things that I've been told to do, you don't necessarily have the belief as strongly as you do once you understand it well, and then go from there with the belief, right? You just If you're expressing yourself of, about, on a topic, if you really believe in it, and you really understand it, those are almost always going to be better than people who don't believe and don't understand. They're just repeating the words that they've memorized. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to, you have to be willing to experience it for yourself and go beyond what you've been taught, right? Right. Right. You have to be willing to ask the questions and challenge the status quo back to our weird allies, uh, weird Barbie and... Alan. Alan. Weird Alan. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess he's weird Ken. That, yeah, yeah. He's also be, weird Ken. I think we're all just Because he wears Ken's clothes. Yes. He does. He can, they don't he fit d- him the same, but he wears them. <laughs> he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't get his own wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know. Gracie, what do, you, what do you think? I know it's like got Richard Rohr written all over it, but what do you think of this whole like dualism versus complexity narrative that I'm throwing out there? Yeah, it's it is that realization that I mean that for, was one of my moments of clarity was realizing like that dualism is just such a hard way to live. Um and that I that might be like the center of most of our like most people's um epiphanies is real is like that contradiction to dualism and realizing that there is more and that most of the world exists in the middle and not in on either or. Um, I mean, I agree with you because it makes sense that that's how we're thinking because our parents raise us, especially like mm-hmm. as a child, you don't necessarily understand the complexities. And so they, your parents raise you with the dualism of this is the right thing. Do the right, right thing. Don't do, don't be bad, be good. Right. right. And so there's that dualism that you're, you're raised on because mm-hmm. that's all parents can really teach at that level for most of the most people right but then as you get older when you experience troubles on your own as an adult or as just Mm -hmm. even a little bit older where you start to that's where you start to understand complexities is through the experience yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so i think that's one of the things that jesus is like modeled from jesus's message is that jesus comes in and is like you guys have been for you you've tried to turn this into a right and wrong situation and i'm coming to show you that god's kingdom is not about that mm-hmm. like the last shall be first it doesn't make sense to you because you're thinking in this way mm-hmm. um you are called to rest you're not called to go 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 this doesn't make sense to you because you've been always taught that this is the good and this is the bad but um so i think that introduction from jesus of this radical concept of um, the kingdom of God, where um, there is, where it's, it's maybe it's not complexity might not be the right word, but um, the kingdom of God is just a completely different concept from the world that we created. It's, it's not, like God is so much bigger than right. you could ever you imagine. Can't you can't God, put words to it. Yeah, you can't put God in a dualistic way. Um, yeah. And I think of that, it's like it's with when 
Ken comes in bringing the patriarchy to the to Barbie Land. It's the overcorrection from like, oh, and we do that all the time, don't right? We? Absolutely. And so it's like throw it it the the basis of what he's trying to do is trying to like what we've been saying all along is like he's just trying to feel important, but he does so at the cost of the Barbies feeling important. And so it's not that patriarchy is the answer or matriarchy is the answer, but it's that neither is the answer. Everybody should just be able to be equal no mm-hmm. matter what. Yeah. And that that's what it leads to is so the trance is broken. All of these Barbies are are waking up. Um, and there's this funny battle scene that l- leads to the I'm Just Ken song, which is the best part of the movie. <laughs> but honestly, that... Um, that fight scene, when I was thinking about it, and it, I think it aligns with, Gracie, what you were just saying, is it makes me think of the infighting that we experience as a church of hmm. like, who's got it right? Who's mm-hmm. interpreting it the yeah. right way? Which denomination is holding this up in reverence and which denomination mm-hmm. is getting it wrong? And it just turns into all of this infighting among mm-hmm. us. And then we just completely lose the plot. They're d- they like, become distracted from their, what the they purpose, were. The purpose, what yeah. they were trying to accomplish. And then they, yeah, then they become distracted by their own insecurities because like we were saying patriarchy wasn't the answer like it wasn't that it needed to be patriarchy it's that they needed to be equal yeah yeah and i think so so that leads into um they have this huge fight scene they get distracted uh and while they're distracted the barbies come in and kind of put things back the way they were and take back control of the house and uh and still Barbie as presidents and judges and all of these things again. And um, the Kens are just deflated. They're like, (laughs) well, what do we do now? (laughs) (laughs) The poor Kens. Um, And then we start the theme of seeking forgiveness. And one of the things that really stood out to me after all of this happened is that seeking forgiveness is extremely messy and it, it it's not easy um and it for anyone yeah like it, for the forgiver or for the forgiven like yeah. it's it's hard for everybody in that situation yeah and and so they're so they both uh Barbie and Ken finally come back together because stereotypical Barbie kind of acts as the voice for all the Barbies and then stereotypical Ken acts as the voice for all of the Kens. And so what we're kind of seeing is like a reuniting and reconciliation between the two of them. And Barbie starts by apologizing to Ken and she realizes she has this new self-awareness and empathy for him of like, I'm so sorry that I made you feel small. Mm-hmm. And that's a really big moment for Ken. And she's saying, you know, not every night had to be girls night, Mm -hmm. you know, and she starts to see that there's more that she could have been doing. And so she's on this path to forgiveness. I apologizing, but what does Ken do? Sublime. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I think it's, it's really interesting. Ken doesn't apologize, Mm. Yeah, you know, 
And well, he takes it, uh, he seems to take it as like, okay, then now we can be in love again. Yes. <laughs> and she was like, no, no, no. He misunderstands. No. And, and I, I wrote that down. Um, Barbie goes to Ken to resolve the conflict and he perceives it as sexual advances and tries <laughs> to kiss her. Yeah. He completely misunderstood what was happening. And it's just like, oh, things can go back to the way they were or the way I hoped they would be mm -hmm. because she never really let him kiss her. Mm -hmm. But um, and, and so it's messy and it's it can be misinterpreted and misunderstood. And um, I think that's because, I mean, Ken had empathy for his other Kens. I mean, the main Ken had empathy for his other Kens, but I don't think he ever understood from Barbie's perspective of what was going on in the world, right? Even though he went from being the feeling insignificant in original Barbie land and then feeling powerful and then coming back, he's like, okay, cool. Now I'm going to get what I want, which is the love and affection from Barbie that I've been seeking the whole time. Mm -hmm. She's apologizing, which means I'm right and I'm going to get love now from Barbie. Mm -hmm. That's how he saw it. He didn't see it as... Well, this is supposed to maybe be a I did something wrong yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, that's how he's uh, in my mind watching him. That's what I thought. Well, and I walked away from the movie the first time we saw it. I was frustrated. I was like, why didn't Ken apologize? That's what I wanted from this mm -hmm. movie is like I wanted to hear an apology from Ken and feel like I got an apology on the behalf of the patriarchy. You know, <laughs> like it was all about me, what I wanted to feel and what I wanted to hear. And I want that apology from Ken. But you know what? Forgiveness isn't fair. Right. Right. And you're not always going to get the apology. And you have to learn how to um, not everyone's continue, working with the same how to tools. be able to move on. Exactly. Say more about that. Yeah. So um, not everyone's working with the same tools. It's a conversation that we've been getting into recently is, you know, some of some people, you know, will come to the realization that, hey, what's been going on to this point isn't necessarily working, but it's not. Like, and you're talking to somebody who was, let's say, theoretically a problem, but they don't necessarily see all of the angles that you're seeing. And so they think apology means I'm now getting what I want, as opposed to apology meaning what has happened is not okay, mm -hmm. but I'm not trying to go the path you're trying to go either. Mm -hmm. And so they don't have the tools to recognize the difference in terms of what your apology means. And so Ken thinks it's sexual advances when she's just saying, I'm sorry for the feelings that you've, for what, what feelings you've had to go through at this point, but she's not saying Okay, what you want to do, Ken? Let's do that now. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day where someone was talking about- There are other podcasts? <laughs> <laughs> this is the only one I listen to. Where do you to. think I get my material? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't listen to anything other than this. No, so I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were talking about like relationship with their parents and they both had extremely gruff parents who were just kind of like of a generation where you don't apologize to your kids, mm -hmm. you don't. And so they were talking about like how they've been in therapy and they're doing work and um, they- are trying to have conversations with their parents around apology and forgiveness, and it's just not going the way they want it to go. And so the host talked about how, you know, I had an experience with my dad that I went to him and I apologized to him. And I said, hey, dad, I'm really sorry if I hurt you. Like, it seems like I might have hurt your feelings and, you know, kind of the, the same way that Barbie went to Ken. And then he got nothing 
back hmm. from his dad. And he said, he called his dad out and said, you know, dad, you hurt my feelings too. Like, would you be willing to apologize to me? And his dad, re- his dad's reaction was something like, well, what do you think I do? Wake up every morning trying to hurt you? I'm yeah. your dad. Hmm. Yeah. And the realization in that moment was that's as close to an apology as my dad can get, Mm. you know? Yeah. I, him saying, that's his way of saying, I've never intentionally tried to hurt Mm -hmm. you. I'm your father. You know, and I wouldn't yeah. like, and I wouldn't so intentionally try to hurt you. Right. He just can't quite get to the next step of I'm sorry for any harm I've unintentionally caused you. Yeah. But at, at least he's willing to say I would never try to hurt you. You know, mm-hmm. said it in a very aggressive, right. massive aggressive <laughs> way. But it's kind of like the same thing from Ken. You made the joke about sublime. Yeah. But maybe that, you know, when Barbie finally says like, hey, I want to spend some time with you. And he says sublime. Sublime. Maybe that's as close to an apology as we can get from Ken. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because that was him acknowledging that, hey, what's been going on isn't the same as to what I want either, right? That that's I took that that's how I took the sublime of what's been before is not what I want now. Mm-hmm. So let's try to get to the better place now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think just learning to give a little extra grace to people and mm-hmm. meeting people where they are, um, it's it's so difficult because we want, especially if you've done work, if you've been in therapy, if you've if you're trying to increase your empathy and self-awareness, it can be really hard to be around people who aren't doing that work. Um, and we have to remind ourselves, like everybody's just working with the tools that they have and everybody is trying their best. And you mm-hmm. want them to have the tools that you have, but sometimes they just don't. And mm-hmm. they are Kenuff. They, they are Kenuff. You are Kenuff. You are Kenuff. <laughs> um, and that's that's where our story wraps up is Ken and Barbie start accepting their humanity, embracing the complexity. Barbie decides to take on the Birkenstocks forever and become fully human with everything that that represents. Uh, No punishments are handed out. New realizations lead to a new way of doing things where in Barbie land, they start allowing the Kens in leadership roles. Uh, Weird Barbie becomes the head of sanitation. (laughs) She's very excited about that. It's been her dream. Um, And it's kind of... It's all she's ever wanted. It's kind of this happy ending Mm -hmm. of everybody gets to learn that they are loved and valued exactly as they are. And it feels like this message that is, you are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. You are loved. You are worthy. You are valued. And you matter. Mm-hmm. And it's everybody. is It's mm-hmm. everybody. It right. ends with every single person feeling like they matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we didn't explicitly say is that she gets to visit the spirit of her creator again. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yes. that is a really powerful part for me um, that's kind of along the lines of that they are now um, – they they realize who they are and who they get to love who they are that the conversation that 
Barbie has with her creator is a really powerful one if you look at it from the lens of us, the creation, having having a moment with their creator and saying things to their creator like I want to be this and the creator saying you go do it like I'm so excited for you to do that like like the delight that it brings the creator that Barbie wants she's like I I don't want to be an idea I want to make ideas like I want to take part in the creation and that's when the creator's like go do it like no it's not going to be easy but like I want you to get to do that and so it's like that is almost that's one of the best representations I've seen of us getting to be co-creators with God that if since we're made in the image of God and God is a creator then we too are creators Mm -hmm. not the original but we get to participate with God in creating um and God's like yes yes do it go for it I'm with you um so that part is what brings me like the most joy as a pastor (laughs) to see that part. Well, and it makes me think of, um, it's true, like her absolute joy in her interaction with Barbie at the end of um, when she chooses to become fully human. uh, It makes me think of one of the ways that Richard Rohr has described God as like God is a parent and we are God's children just creating art and God puts every single thing we create <laughs> proudly on the refrigerator yeah, and is so just enamored and in love with us and even when it's a mess and we get it wrong and we drew the house upside down God is like oh my gosh what a beautiful what picture you, you drew look what you did did look what you did I'm so Um, proud of you yes yes and it's it's just this ultimate joy Mm -hmm. that we get to experience and it's that co-creation of getting to be a part of the story Mm -hmm. and there is still work to be done Mm -hmm. there is still experiences to be had and Barbie is like the end of the story is the beginning of the story Mm -hmm. you know and it's this cyclical I mean we could also get into the whole theme of death and resurrection, death and resurrection. Like this whole story is just mentalities and uh, certain ways of thinking and constructs and everything putting, being put to death and new life and new creation coming out of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And now you're part of the story. (laughs) And you get to go to the gynecologist. That's what I put in my notes. <laughs> what a time. Yeah. Yeah. But this was really fun. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I took so many notes. And there are things that, oh, man, we didn't even begin to cover. But I suffice to say... Uh, I went and saw this movie in the theaters twice. Mm. <laughs> it was, oh, Gracie says three times yeah. for her. Yeah. Um, it it was a very, I loved it. It was very impactful. One of the things, it just felt validating mm. and it felt very uh, human and mm. restorative. So it's. Uh, I will say I did that, that speech that America Ferreira gave or Gloria gave to explain the complexities was really powerful. Like even mm. if you're, not I'm obviously I'm not, I'm not a woman, but like having like listening to her give that speech felt so powerful to like help understand what it is someone else is going through. Mm-hmm. And so like for me, it was feeling empathy for her and for what Barbie was going through in that mm-hmm. moment. And so I took it from a 
man, that people are going through that is really tough. And just to remember that you don't know someone else's lived experiences. Mm -hmm. So just try to remain empathetic for them. Mm -hmm. I didn't even ask you, like, from the masculine perspective, specifically, like, how this movie hit you. Well, I mean, I, I guess for me, I saw Barbie Land as having some matriarchal elements right so it was like it was a matriarchy where it was run by the women in a way that i see that women in our society can be ignored a lot of times is how ken was being ignored mm -hmm. in barbie land um and so when america ferrera was expressing to barbie what it was that she was experiencing that to me i was like oh man that's what women are going through. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> See, because for me, it was like a sisterhood movie of like, oh, somebody is vocalizing the things that I've been feeling mm -hmm. and I feel validated and I feel like I'm not crazy. Mm -hmm. Like it, it isn't just me that's feeling all of these heavy expectations, mm -hmm. you know, In and I'm not ways. even a mom, like put motherhood on top of that. And I'm just like, Bleh. I'm out. <laughs> and it's just in so many different ways you're getting pulled constantly. And then for that realization to come, it was yeah. just crazy. Well, I think that there are a ton of spiritual themes in this movie. And so I think the answer is, yeah, we can learn about God from the Barbie movie. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah. So thank y'all so much for joining me. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to get together for another podcast soon. Yeah. Bye, Alan. <laughs> Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Alan. Bye, Barbie. <laughs> The Life Plus God podcast is hosted, written, and produced by me, Alyssa Robinson, and sponsored by Treach Memorial United Methodist Church in Flower Mound, Texas. If you live in the Flower Mound area, I invite you to stop by and see if Treach could be your new church family. You can learn more about all of our programs and events at tmumc.org, and I hope to catch you next week for our next episode of the Life Plus God podcast.